Good morning. My name is Thad Lanthrop. I'm the administrative pastor here at Church in the Valley. I'm glad that you all could be with us this morning as we worship um, the Lord. Today we're going to be continuing on in our message series that we're calling Parables. Um, Each week we're taking a look at a different parable um, that Jesus Christ, who is the Son of God, uh, told to his followers and the crowds that would listen to him speak while he lived on earth. So we're looking at these parables and the definition um, of a parable is using a natural object or human circumstance to convey a spiritual or moral subject. And so that's what we're doing. Last week, um, we saw how Jesus used a story about a friend who was knocking on the door at midnight. And he used this story to encourage us to persistently pray to God, asking, seeking, and knocking for him to um, provide for us to uh, that his kingdom would would come um, ultimately he, he was encouraging us to trust in God the Father with the outcome and what and what happens uh, as a result of us praying if you 're interested in hearing that message or any of the past messages um, that we 've had here at Church in the Valley, you can go to our website churchinthevalley dot com or um, you can subscribe to our pro- podcast, which is uh, you just search Church in the Valley Ontario Ranch and you, you'll get all the messages that we have here at Church in the Valley. Today, we're going to be looking at a parable um, that Jesus told his followers and it's called the rich fool. Um, you could probably guess what it's about um, by the title. Um, so let's take a look at this parable. Um, and uh, that Jesus told in the book of Luke, uh, in the Bible, the book of Luke is one of four biographies about Jesus' life. Let's take a look at this together. Uh, Luke 12, 13 through 21 says, Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them a parable saying, the land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. This is an interesting parable because it looks like the man's doing well for himself. His land is producing plentifully. And he makes what seems to be a wise move. He builds bigger barns. You know, if you don't have enough room, you need a bigger barn to store it all. And this allows him to get what is most Americans' dream. He has enough to be self-reliant for years to come, and he can relax, eat, drink, be merry. He's going to be living the dream for the rest of his life. But his plan is doomed to fail before it even starts because he dies before he can enjoy it all. How sad is that? Work your whole life. You finally get to the point where you can store up enough stuff to just relax, eat, drink, 
be merry, and you don't get to enjoy any of it. So there's a lot of lessons that can be learned from this parable um, that we're looking at today. So let's take a look at the lessons that we can learn. There's a listening guide in your handout that you can follow along with me um, if, if you'd like. Um, but let's take a look at these lessons. The first is life is not about accumulating the most stuff. Now, Scrooge McDuck from DuckTales would disagree with me on that one. Wait, something's wrong. Much better. He'd disagree with me. He wants to take a bath in the gold. That's not, there's something wrong with just water. That's not for him. Now, I think a lot of us would agree with the statement, life is not about accumulating the most possessions. I think a lot of us would agree. It seems like a, a duh statement. You know, people are more important than things. We're, we're taught that from a young age. But take a look at what Jesus says right before the rich fool parable. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. So there's obviously some sort of dispute going on here um, between that a man is having with his brother over an inheritance, But Jesus doesn't get involved in the dispute. He refers them to the officials that that can help them handle the dispute, but he takes the conversation to to higher ground. And what he says is, be on guard against all covetousness. Now, covetousness is an unlawful desire of the property of another. Um, Also, it's a desire of gain or riches beyond what is necessary for our wants. So Jesus goes straight to the heart of the situation and what's going on here in this dispute. He tells them, be on guard against all covetousness. Now, maybe we don't have an unlawful desire for property. Maybe we're we're committed to staying within the laws of the land and we're not going to steal from somebody or we're not going to do that. Maybe we we don't go that far in in coveting after something. But I bet most of us experience the desire of gain or of riches beyond what's necessary than what we we need at times. And when we have this desire, what happens is over time, our priorities get distorted. We start to elevate things over people. Now, we would never say that. We would never say that, oh, I care more about this car, getting this car than people, or getting this house than people, or whatever it may be. We wouldn't say that, but we might hurt somebody to get what we want. We wouldn't be against the law, but we might just spend more time seeking after the things that we want rather than spending time with the people we love. Or we might just step all over somebody to get uh, promotion or to get the thing that we want. We lose track, we lose sight of what's important. Whatever it might be, covetousness is not something to take lightly because it can quickly focus our action on making things more important than people. So here's a couple questions that might help you to, to think through um, if you're starting to, to get into being 
give in to covetousness. It's really hard to say that word. Um, I just wanted to mention that because I feel like I'm going to say it wrong every time. Um, but here's some questions to guard against covetousness. Um, one is, do you want something that somebody else has? That's a pretty easy question, but I mean, do you really want it? Do you find yourself thinking about it, thinking, why did they get that and I didn't get it? Do you find yourself thinking, a lot of this is a battle in our minds? Another question to guard against um, coveting is, do you find yourself thinking about how to get fill-in-the-blank when you should be working or thinking about something else? Find yourself should be focusing on time with the family, or you should be focusing it at work, and you're thinking, well, if I just, I'm almost there. I've almost saved up enough. I'm almost to get what I want. Or I could do this to get that thing that I want. Here's another question. Do you find it hard to celebrate with others when they get fill in the blank? That's one that really cuts to my heart. Because sometimes it's hard to rejoice with others. When they're rejoicing. Because maybe I've been saving up for that thing for a long time and they just went out and bought it. How does that happen? That's not fair. When the answer to one of these questions is, is yes, then we got to be careful. So you, you might be going down the path to coveting when you're answering yes to these questions. So here's a way to combat coveting after something somebody has. The first thing to do is remember what it says in the next part of the verse. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. That's not what's truly important in life. And so we need to remember that. Maybe we, we memorize that verse so we remember that. One's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. So remember that verse and pray it back to God. Say, Father, I know that the Bible says that one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Please help me to control my desire for fill in the blank. Or please help me to be happy for so-and-so who got what I wanted. And then pray and ask God to give you what you're desiring for in, in the appropriate time. If it's his will, ask for him to give it to you. This will help you to align your thoughts with the truth of the Bible, and to get on page with what God's doing in your life. Another lesson that we learn from this parable is that anxiety is a natural result of acquiring more financially. Wait a minute. No, no, no. That can't be true. That's the answer to my problems. If I just had more money then I could pay the bills, I could do this or that. That can't be the, the answer there. In our mind, money equals happiness. It equals, it equals um, the peace that we want. We have this picture in our mind of what that is. It brings us peace. I wouldn't have to worry about the, paying the bills, the things that we have. But look what is said in the parable. And he told them a parable saying, the land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. You can see the anxiety building here for the man. He doesn't know what to do. He has too too much. 
He doesn't know where to store it. Because the truth is that riches increase thought and perplexity. The more we get, the more attention we're, we give to money. We give it in a couple ways. One is, what am I going to do with it? What am I going to do with the money that I, that I have? What am I going to buy? What am I going to invest in? Etc. Then another is, how do I keep my money safe while I try to get more money? And we give lots of thought to these questions. The more we have, the more thought, the more anxiety builds up because I have all this money and I've got to, I've got to keep it so that I'm secure and safe. And, but what happens if the stock market crashes or what, what happens if my property value plummets or whatever it may be? And this anxiety builds up because we're trying to hold on to what we have while we're growing it. And it's all about how can we, we grow this. So this anxiety, it builds up. And this leads us to another lesson that we see in this parable. This lesson, it's not a big one that's found in this parable, but it's to tell your plans to wise friends who will tell you the truth. Take a look at how many times he says, I, in this, in this verse. And he told them a parable saying, the land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you'll have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. He doesn't run his plans by anybody else. He's in his own head. He's thinking about what he's going to do with all his wealth. And he comes up with a plan that is short-sighted, that doesn't take into account investing in things that are going to last beyond the amount of grain that he's going to have to keep, um, to keep his life simple at the end of it. He could have invested in things that truly mattered if he would have talked to somebody who's wiser than him, who has more experience, who could help him to see the folly in his ways. And then this leads us to the next lesson in this parable, which is to choose the right goal in life. Choose the right goal in life. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, fool. This night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? Can you imagine being in this man's shoes? The man thinks he's, he's made it. He's made it to the pinnacle. He's got everything figured out. He can just relax, eat, drink, be merry the rest of his life. And that's the aim for, for many, to get into the position where we don't have to worry about the, where the next paycheck's coming from. We can relax, eat, drink, marry. For some, it might be relaxing on the porch, like we looked at earlier. Or for others, it might be to, to be in a hammock on the beach. For others, maybe it's, it's a tent in the mountains. Or for some, it, it's to keep working, but they don't have to worry about the next paycheck. They enjoy work. It's to keep working, but they don't have to worry the next paycheck. It might be one of these pictures. It might be 
your ideal, what you're working for. Or it might be something different. But we all have an image of what this looks like in our minds. What's going to be the easy life for us? We all have this image. And this man, he achieved it. He achieved his goal in life. But he wasn't able to enjoy it. What an awful thing to happen. Work your life for something. And then you don't get to enjoy it. But that's what happens when we choose to only invest in non-eternal things. When we choose to just keep investing in, in things, possessions, not, and not see beyond the here and now, then we can end up in a situation like this. Because this parable, it reminds us that death is the end for all of us. We need to be prepared for that. So there's this sense of urgency that we see here that comes out in this parable. It's a sense of urgency to invest in the kingdom of God. It's easy to say that I'll, I'll use my resources, I'll use my time, my money, my, my talents when I have more of it. It's easy to say that. I'll, I'll get to it eventually. But this attitude, it results in the same predicament that the rich fool was in at the end of his life. If we wait until we have more, or more time, more money, whatever it is, then it might just be too late. Jesus isn't telling us possessions are bad in this parable. That's not what what he is saying. He's reminding us to be careful with our possessions. Don't let them pull us away from God. Don't let the possessions do that. But allow them to point us to be rich towards God throughout our life. That's what he's talking about here. Verse 21 says, So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. He's talking about the man. He lived his life, but he didn't get to enjoy the things that that he thought he could enjoy. The rich fool's problem was not that his fields were fertile and that he made bigger barns to store it. That wasn't his problem. His problem was that that's all he cared about. That was his goal. That was his focus. In life, Jesus is telling us here that a Christ follower has a different goal and a different aim for their finances. The Christ follower's uh, financial goal is to be rich towards God. Now, how, how do you do this? How do you be rich towards God? Well, the Bible teaches that those who've made Jesus the boss of their life to give a tithe to the church that they're a part of. Uh, tithe is it's a tenth. We don't have time to go into uh, that uh, this morning, but it's a tenth of your income. That's what is expected in the Bible. So being rich towards God is going over and above that. It's going over and above the tithe that you give to God. Now, you might be giving a tithe already, or maybe you're working up to it. You're, you're not there yet. But I want to encourage you to pray, ask God what he would like you to do in order to be rich towards him so that you can keep your priorities in the right order, that things don't become more elevated than people or more elevated than trying to expand the kingdom of God. Here's some different ways. There's more than this, but here's just some different options for how to be rich towards God. One, give, give the church in the valley. And be a part of what God is doing here locally um, and across uh, the world. 
You know, it takes money to rent the facilities, to have the kids own classes, and, and to do all that, that we do. And when you give money, you're a part of, of what God is doing here at Church in the Valley. Church in the Valley also gives over $4,800 a, a month to various other ministries that are throughout the world that are, that are spreading um, the gospel of Jesus, that are trying to reach out to people. There's other ministries that you can give to as, as well to be uh, rich towards God. Um, there's international missions agencies. There's local missions agencies like pre- pregnancy centers and food banks and human trafficking ministries and, and much more that goes on and on. There's lots of ways to be rich towards God. And what has happened throughout history is God's people are generous and they love people through their finances. There are many ways to be rich with God. So I want to encourage you, if God blesses you with fertile fields, maybe you're in a time of blessing right now, or maybe you get a raise in the future or unexpected financial gain, be rich with God while you are making bigger barns. Don't just get so focused on investing in earthly things that you forget to be rich towards God. An interesting thing will happen as you do this. I used to hear about opportunities to give money to people and, um, or to different kingdom work that was going on. And my first thought was, well, here's another thing that I'm going to have to give money to. That was my attitude. But as I've, I've, as I've chosen to continually keep giving money to people and things that are going on, God has tied my heart to those things. He's, he's opened my heart up to really enjoy being able to give to those different ministries, to those different people. And now it's not a reluctance that I have when I go to give, but it's, it's a joy. It's fun. I get to be a part of what God's doing in that area. Possessions aren't evil in themselves. We, we need it. You can see we need money. We need um, stuff to, to accomplish God's mission. They're not evil in themselves, but we need to use them to be rich towards God. And not just to store up as much as we can for ourselves. And the result of being rich toward God is that we seek God's kingdom and we're taken care of. When we choose to be rich toward God, we seek his kingdom and we're taken care of. Look at the promise that he gives us after the parable in Luke 12, 22-31. And he said to his disciples, Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his, life, to his span of life? If then you are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They never, neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you? O oh, you of little faith. And do not seek what you are to eat, what you are to drink, nor be worried. 
For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. It's interesting. Jesus responds right after telling this parable to be rich towards God, and he responds with this saying, don't be anxious about providing yourself, because that's one of the first questions that I would have. Jesus tells me to be rich towards God. Well, how am I going to provide for me? How am I going to provide for my family? And he says, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. He's going to take care of us as we seek his kingdom. God promises that he will give us what we need when we seek his kingdom. I'd like to invite Greg Fuller up onto the stage. He's going to um, tell us how he has experienced this parable to be true. I think that um, I'm going to ask him a couple questions, do it in an interview uh, format, but I think it will be a real help to, to you to see how this plays out in real life. So, Greg, would you introduce yourself to us? Name, family, work, all that? Sure. Uh, I'm Greg Fuller. Um, I've been at CIV almost a quarter of a century. I said that that way for effect. It sounds like a long time. Um, uh, my wife, Vicki, and I just celebrated our 40th anniversary uh, just a little bit ago. And, um, yeah, yeah. I'm not that old. We met in sixth grade, so... Um, <laughs> You weren't uh, married in sixth grade, though, We weren't right? married okay. in sixth grade. Good point, then. Um, uh, we have three kids, uh, two great son-in-laws, and, and two fantastic grandchildren that the Lord has blessed us with. Uh, I've been in the home improvement business virtually my entire career. Uh, I currently work for a large national distributor of home improvement products. All right. Are there one or two of these lessons that we've looked at today that you've seen come true in your life? Um, not to be cute at all, uh, but virtually each and every one of them. Uh, I could talk out of my life experiences. Um, in the first two points um, out of the parable that Thad discussed, uh, life's not about accumulating stuff, and uh, that anxiety is a natural byproduct of accumulating stuff. Um, uh, I mean, I just have the, uh, now with having the look in the rearview mirror, and the, the difference in my life, the before and after picture of what I was living for versus what I'm living for now, you see it really come out in those points. Um, I, I had a very successful career, first career. Uh, I was very smart in my own eyes. I thought my competence was incredible uh, of my own doing. And... Um, really rose quickly, and by my late 30s, I was CEO of a $40 million company. And with that came a lot of, lot of financial blessings. And I engaged in those financial blessings in many different material ways. Uh, I did not view myself as a bad guy. I loved my wife. I loved my kids. I loved my family. I provided for them. Um, but I was living really a different life and living for very different things. And there was a period of time, um, um, and I don't say this with any pride, but this is factually out of my life. Um, there was a, a window of time from the late 80s to early 90s where I, I, I bought a boat, a condo in Palm Springs, a Porsche, um, fancy vacations, nice stuff. Um, we were not 
super rich, but we, we, were, we lived really well. And I bought a lot of stuff. And I enjoyed all that stuff. And we used all that stuff. And that stuff is not inherently bad. But the point I'll make it hopefully by the end of this is it was just out of order at that time. And as we kept accumulating all that stuff, it does make noise in your life. All that stuff makes noise at you. The condo in Palm Springs has to be kept up. So does the boat. has to be stored and maintained. Uh, the Porsche is very expensive to insure, I found out, uh, especially after your third ticket. In um, uh, luckily, at those days, they did not have limits on how often you could go to, you know, t- ticket school. Um, um, I was a frequent flyer there. Um, but, but all that stuff actually does take exactly what is pointed out in the parable. It takes your thoughts away, and you're living towards the wrong things. And even though I thought, gee, I'm not a bad guy, I was accumulating stuff at a high rate. And um, it, was really, it, it was really taking me in a direction that long-term was not sustainable and not healthy. And so my goal here, hopefully by the time uh, I've shared some of this, is that this, this, isn't, this is about the true and real thing. Gravity is very true. We all know it to be true, but it doesn't become real until you step off of a ladder. So we don't walk around thinking about gravity, and it's real easy not to, to walk around not thinking about God's word. And one of my real goals um, since I committed my life to Christ in, the, in my late 30s, uh, about 24 years ago, is to keep, how do I keep making God's word real? And through these experiences I'm sharing, that's, that's how God has made his word very real to me. So, so what is a way that God has taken care of you as you've chosen to seek his kingdom? Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, we had all that stuff and um, 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 just kept making more and more money, doing really well. And then we had a recession um, in the early 90s. You have to be a little older than many of you are to know the impact of that. Uh, our house went down in value. Business went down. And I thought, oh. And, and all of a sudden there was financial trouble. Now I'm getting tense. And I got stuff, and I, I need to be able to maintain it. Um, and, um, uh, again, God uses these circumstances to really um, put on your heart um, the opportunity to live a different way. And for, for me, there's, there's really three, the last three points of the parable, there's three key points in there about uh, seeking wise counsel. Um, first thing God did to get my attention is he really got me around wise people. People who were living for different things. And in those things, in, in getting around those people, I saw examples of a different kind of life. People who had actually just really a much sweeter life. Their, their relationships were better with their wives, with their kids, um, with the people they related to. Um, and I, I just saw a different sense of the priorities of what was important to them. Um, so... One of the ways God came through for me early on in this was he really put some wise people around. There's a significant difference between being smart and being wise. Um, Wisdom is going to come from really understanding God's will. Um, You know, choosing the right goal. Another key point out of the um, parable. Cars and boats and things are not inherently bad. They're not. That's not, not my point. 
They were out of order in my life, though. That's what was at the center, and that's what was becoming too important. And then they were all making noise at the same time, needing more and more of me, and now all of a sudden I wasn't in a position to support all that stuff. And, uh, you know, so, so for me, the shift had to be in living differently and, and, and getting around people who were really living for different things. People who, who were successful in more important ways than the size of their paycheck or their title. And um, that really struck me. God used that uh, clearly as an experience for me to, to see a different picture of that. And, and then, you know, being rich towards God is really just about stewardship. Is stewarding life differently. And that's what I mean about getting those things out of order, is um, there's nothing wrong with, with a nice car. Uh, I'd love to have a boat again, take my grandkids out skiing like we did. Uh, I actually think about that and even pray for it, but it needs to happen in the right order. And at the point that I'm stewarding in line with God's will, then we've seen those blessings come. Uh, in our, in my case, the, the last job that I thought I'd ever have went away in 2012. Um, it really was the last job I thought I'd ever have, and, and the company didn't last, and it went, it went away. I didn't have eyes for that. Uh, started our own company. Um, we were in a position where we could do that with a couple partners. The partnership imploded. The company failed, and it cost me a lot of money and time and emotional turmoil and grief. It was a very, very difficult situation. And it's certainly not the position I, I was expecting to find myself in at 58. At one point in my career, I thought I'd be retired by 50. But this is, this is in, the, in your own eyes where you get wise, and you think you're planning your steps, but the Lord really determines our course. So when the company closed, I had a very specific situation of how, how am I going to pay off everything I owe? What am I going to do? And I had a significant job offer in Hawaii that would have taken me from here, um, away from our church, away from our family. And um, when I look back at it now, the temptation to take that job was incredibly real, incredibly strong. And I, in my head, I had it all figured out again, justified. Um, three years, be in good shape. We'll be able to fly back and forth from Hawaii a couple times a month, see the kids, visit church. Um, I mean, picture that, visit church, um, uh, a place that we had been deeply rooted for a long time. And it's just easy to lose your way and get off track. But through, the, through again, the counsel of wise friends um, who really encouraged me to think about that through, and again, right out of the verse, the same Lord that provides for the birds of the earth He's not going to provide for me. I was operating out of fear and emotion. So I stuck a knife in all that. I didn't know what was going to happen, but I just stuck a knife in it and said, um, I'm here. God, I'm here. Let's see what happens. And this has happened. Um, he's taken care of, of me and my family. Um, uh, we're very grateful. Um, uh, he, he provided a job. I, I actually started this job um, that um, just a few days after we closed the company, and I, I, the job came to me. I didn't go to the job. Um, you know, at this point, I'm not some young hotshot. I'm, I'm coming up on 60 years old, and guess what? That doesn't feel real employable, and the Lord came through. He provided this opportunity. He's provided a new house for us out here in Ontario. 
We want to be out here uh, where our church has moved and where we're planning. Um, I can tell you a number of other things that have come along with that. But at, at the moment, I could stick a knife in, in having the wrong, the wrong goals and get back to what God's will was for my life. He came through. He, he, he just he lined all this up, and it happened in a matter of days, literally in a matter of days. Um, now, I'm not saying that in a fashion to, to practice presumption upon God. that He's just going to do yeah, what we want him to do. Um, but he does things in his time, in his way, in his will, and his desire is to bless us. And I've just seen that time after time after time as I've made the right decisions towards his goals and not my own. And so I hope that's helpful. Um, uh, it, it's not my place to um, – I'm not judging or condemning anybody that's going through any of the similar stuff. Um, but, but God's word is not just true. It's real. And he'll make it real for you if you give it a chance. Thank you. <clears throat> Thank you, Greg. I wanted Greg to be up here for what he said. This is real. What we're looking at, it's, it's not just some story that Jesus told a long time ago, but it's something that we can take and we can apply into our life. And it's, it's real. And so as I wrap up the message today, I want to encourage you to, to look at maybe some next steps that you might want to take in response to the message today. First next step um, to look at, the next steps are on the bottom of your handout. They're also on your connection card, so you might want to take that back out. Um, but first next step is just talk with someone about what it means to become a Christian. You know, maybe as we've, we've talked about the finances, it, it just, it's not going to make sense to be rich toward God unless you have a relationship with him. So you might want to talk with somebody about um, what it means to have a relationship with God. So that might be a next step today. Then another next step is to be rich towards God by fill in the blank. You can, um, maybe there's something specifically God told you um, today. And then there's one last just blank next step. Fill in whatever uh, next step you think God might have for you this morning. <clears throat> Would you pray with me as we continue to worship? Lord, we um, just thank you for your guidance um, in the Bible and and how you have uh, just spoken uh, to us about finances and money and just our, our overall goals in life and how as we seek your kingdom, you're going to take care of us. Help us to make decisions this week um, to seek your kingdom and watch how you come through for us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.